Well, it is my distinct honor to introduce to you, many of you already know him, but this is uh, George Nita. His lovely wife was not able to accompany him, um, but uh, we are very excited to get to partner with George, and he's going to share with you what he's been up to. We've been praying for him, as you know, when we pray on the Missions Minutes. I think it's about every eight weeks, then George and his wife, Chris, will come up, but um, I'm very excited for us to hear a message from his heart. George and his wife are working with uh, ORDS, uh, AIDS orphans, those that have been, have been orphaned because of HIV and the majority of which have HIV themselves. I'll let him talk about that, but an extraordinary ministry and their desire is to see God's love reach all of Papua New Guinea. So can we welcome Christ Center style with great love, George Nita. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. I bring you glad tidings from Papua New Guinea. Um, my wife is really sad that she can't be here, but this, this trip for me has been really one of those, it's a really weird trip. Like it wasn't planned and it happened in the last 13 days. And I'm here. Thank you so much. And the church asked me if I could share and I'm just so happy. I want to share with you what we're doing in Papua New Guinea. Um, before I share, I'd like to play a video. And uh, that video will be, see, my wife is the one that's kind of easy on the eye. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But my wife, I wish she was here. But she's the one that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm missing her presence because she just, together we are, a team, uh, an incredible team, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry she can't be here, but she will be here very soon. I don't know when, but it's, it's going to happen. But can we roll that video? It'll give you a, a little background on just what we have been up to in the last um, nine months in Papua New Guinea. So if we can get that video rolling. Hi everyone, um, I'm George Nita and this is my wife Crystal Nita. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, I'm George Nita and this is my wife Crystal Nita. We are the uh, founders of I Care For You. Care for You is a home and respite centre for those affected with HIV here in Port Moresby, the capital of Papua New Guinea. We want to provide our facility to help, um, I guess, to train them about the disease process, encourage them, instill hope into their lives, um, and also make sure that they stay on their treatment and then help them to re-enter back into their community. We have a home model set up for those who are affected, children who are affected with HIV. Um, we want to place them into families or create a family for them where they are in, in with a, a mother. Through that, they'll have the opportunity to um, be supported for the duration of their growing up life. We have been given, we as an I Care For You, has been given a 1.3 acres of land by uh, the Nazarene Church. We're in the process of uh, acquiring this land uh, from the Nazarene Church, which is uh, a big, big blessing here in the city when people are looking for land. 
So iCareFU works alongside like-minded people who have a vision to help the HIV community here in Port Moresby um, so that we don't replicate what we're doing but that we can be more effective in helping more individuals throughout the city. And the tagline for us as iCareFU is uh, every life matters and but we, can, we, we can make an impact uh, to the ones that uh, the Lord brings into our path. So that's just a small one minute, 43 seconds video that a, that, um, a friend made um, and he just delivered that to me just um, a few days ago and he lives in Bend. He just came to, this guy made this video just real quick. He came to PNG on a mission trip and he's like a media guy and he stayed in a guest house that my wife and I um, at the moment are sort of hosts. And I realized that he, he had all these drones and really cool, fancy. I said, um, as I started sharing about I care for you and what we do with the, with the HIV ministry, and he said, is there anything I can do to help? And I said, you can, you can make a little, you know, promo video for us. And that's, he did that, and, 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 and uh, we have that video. But anyways, um, I care for you is um, a ministry of YWAM. It's um, started um, earlier this year. My wife and I. The HIV is so big in PNG, and lots of um, children, because of the stigma associated with HIV, um, in the Port Moresby General Hospital that we're working with. The moms are coming and literally they are dumping their babies and they're running. So there's babies because they don't want to bring the babies back to the house because of um, the shame that comes with being HIV in PNG. So these moms are abandoning these kids and, and are going for this long walkabout. That's what they call it. And they, they never to come back in. So my wife and I just really take on this initiative to, uh, after a lot of prayer and, and uh, at the moment, there is no building yet. We have been given, like I said, 1.3 acres of land. We're praying and asking God for um, the right partners to come along and help us as we set up this home. And um, it's, it's, when I go back, my wife told me that we have to clear the land. It's 1.3 acres. It's not big, but, you know, we can, we can make use of what God's given to us. And um, we have one PNG woman on staff, so it's three of us. Uh, Sylvia, she is an HIV um, woman, and she is an incredible advocate for people living in uh, with the impacts of HIV and just coming forth and, hey, share your stories. Share what's going on and uh, don't have to uh, live in the shame. Because in a house like this, if people are affected by HIV, it should never go outside because once it goes outside in the city of Junction City, people know you, then point fingers, run away. It's just like, you know, in public setting, it's just really humiliating for somebody with HIV to be, you know, you're already dying and then to die from the rejection from people, it's, um, it's terrible. And um, every, um, like I said, every life matters. That's one of our logo. And um, every life matters, it comes from a story where there's a man, um, well, man or woman, depending on how you want to see it, this old, so I'll just say this old lady walks along the beach and um, she, um, the tide has gone back and all the starfish are just uh, 
flapping their five wings. And they need to be in the water, but they're outside, but the tide's already gone back. So as far as your eye could see, there's so many starfish. And this old lady walks along, and he, 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 uh, she bends down, picks the starfish, throws it back into the water, goes, picks down, throws it back into the water. And there's people standing beside her, looking at her, going, you old woman? You're crazy. What do you think you're doing? She's not listening to them. She goes, picks one, throws it back into the water. And then this guys come up to him, come up to her and said, you're not making any difference. There is tens of thousands of starfish as far as your eye could see. Forget it. She's not listening to them. She bends down, picks it, throws it as far as she could. And she said, it makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to this one. We might not touch all the 10,000, but whatever that God brings into your path, make sure that you don't let that one go. And make sure you speak life, you speak value, dignity, all that stuff. So that's what, that's what we're about. And um, just real quick, because we're Christians, I hope you brought your Bible. In PNG, they don't have this thing called iPad. I'm probably the only guy that's like fancy, you know, I have an iPad. <laughs> so I'm going to church and just, you know, just, you know going through my screen and, and they just look at me. Man, this guy is, what is that? But... Um, if you have your iPad or your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter, no, Luke chapter 19. Now, this message might be, might be short. The shortest Bible verse in the, in, in, uh, in the Bible is, you all know it, right? Jesus wept. So this is going to be hit and run. You are not going to miss your lunch, I'll say that. But, God, I think God has a message for somebody here. That's why, you see, there is no coincidence. That word coincidence never exists in God's dictionary. You and I made that up. God is very intentional in everything he does. There's a reason why you're here. So don't let this, just another message. Yes, it is another message. You probably heard this so many times. But there is something in this. God wants you to hear. Luke chapter 19, verse 20. Luke 19, verse 28. I'll start. After he was speaking, he journeyed onward, proceeding up to Jerusalem. And when he came near Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called the Olive Yard, he sent two of his disciples in front saying to them, go into the village facing you. On entering it, you will find a colt tied up with no, tied up which no one has ever yet ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, that's my brother calling me on my phone. Just turn that off real quick. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying the colt? Simply say, the master needs it. So if you want to title this, it's called, because the master needs it. Um, Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I'm really sorry to break this to you, but everything that you think you own is really not yours. 
You go to the bank and there is a guy called a loan officer. Well, Big G is the ultimate loan officer. So what you think you own, it wasn't yours to begin with. And when you die, it's not going to be yours. You just get to use it while you are in this very short frame of time that you think. So how are you living in this very short time that God's given you? Um, in PNG, we look at guys like Bill Gates with all this, you know, stuff, and and um, because he's so famous and with all this wealth, and you think, wow, all this money, and, and then you get to hear about, you know, the guy that started Apple, he dies, and, and you know, they, they just, you know, when you when you die, when you go to the funeral home, um, you will never see a U-Haul at the back of the hearse. You don't take any of that stuff with you. So when you live this life right now, how are you living this life right now, making a difference? The Bible verse that uh, Red um, brought up with uh, saying that uh, before I formed you, um, what is it? Uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you to bear fruits, and pastor was sharing it. See, it, that verse, you did not choose me, but I chose you, when God calls you to something, a lot of times, my message here is because the master needs it. See, this guy, he has, I, I was reading a little bit about the donkey in those days. They didn't have any vehicles, so the donkey was their vehicle. So when you have a little donkey, you raise him up. And, and this guy, and I, I'm just meditating on, on what this looks like. And who knows? Nobody has ever sat on this donkey, and he's got plans. It's like when this donkey grows older, you know, you know, down the Jerusalem, Damascus, Jerusalem highway, you know, I'm going to, you know, do this and, you know, you know, make big money. He's got all these plans all set up. He's never even taken her around for the block, you know, for a ride and it's there. And then these two guys comes up and, you know, just, just checking out to see, you know, this is, and you just imagine you sitting in a house and somebody comes up to you, your parking lot and then, you know, sees your fancy, you know, your bends. And these guys come up and they just, you know, check it to see, make sure. And you're like, hey, what do you think you're doing? And then they come and say, oh, the master needs it. I need it too. <laughs> you had plans. You had made plans for this, when I finish university, when I work, high school, all this plan that you have just neatly planned and packaged and laid it. And then God comes and says, can I have it? The master needs it. When Jesus asks you to do something, you know, you might tell you to spit in something and go put it in somebody's eyes, things that really doesn't make sense. Because the master needs it. He'll tell you to do things that does not make absolutely no sense at all. 
And you just sit there going, I can't do this. I cannot do this. You're like, God, this doesn't make sense. God doesn't have to make sense. He made sense. Do you trust me? Do you trust me enough? You're comfortable in the boat when he says, he calls your name and he says, get out of the boat and walk. Are you willing to get out of, the, out of this comfortable boat and step out into something that really you don't have any business being on water? You're supposed to walk on the pavement, on this one, not on the water. So God says, get out on the boat and walk on this. When Jesus makes the call to Peter, he didn't even use many words. It wasn't like a sermon. It's the one word. You know what the word was? His name, call his name, and say, Peter, come. Peter's like, I know that, that, that sound, that sound sounds familiar. I know that voice because it was dark. The Bible says they couldn't, they couldn't even see who that person is talking. But Peter's like, that sounds like I know that voice. And he says, come. So Peter had to get out of the, out of the boat. And actually every step that he took was he knew that it has to be Jesus. And he, he walks on the word. When God gives you a word, you need to act on that word. Because Peter, Peter walks on the word, come, C-O-M-E, I trust you. So when God gives you a word, it doesn't make sense. I'm scared. That's why it's very important. Hearing God's voice, YOM, fundamental teaching in YOM, hearing God's voice. Your father will not hear it for you. Your mother, your pastor won't even hear it for you. You have to get the word of the Lord and go. And that's why when God, God says go, you act on that word. When you sink, at least you heard God's voice and you sink, you know. I brought this kid here. I'm on a five-day trip to, to the U.S., just five days. Because I'm thinking about two days traveling back and two days, uh, three Three, three days all up just traveling. So five days here in the U.S. And I brought this kid to America to do a discipleship training school. Now this kid, his father has 17 wives. I know. That's normal in PNG. But 17, I mean, polygamy is normal in PNG. It's part of our culture. But 17 is, it's a lot. My father had four wives, okay? So I grew up thinking, as an older son, I wanted to have like eight, because I want to beat my dad. Like, I'm the oldest one, you know? I, I learned real quick that it's a bad idea. Bad idea. But this man walks up to me, he's one of the wealthiest men in PNG. I didn't go looking for him. He comes looking for me. And he said, George, um, what you guys are doing with YWAM, I like what you do. You really transform people's character. You change people's, you take them through this discipleship training program and you change, tell them about, you know, to become a man of God and just hearing God's voice and, you know, disciple, the whole character transformation. Can you do that for my 120 children? Yeah. 120 children. So I took the first one here to do a DTS in Salem. And I, and, and I told the school leaders, this, this, this is a special, it's a special case. <laughs> it's, 
this is a special case. This whole family is a special case, like special. We need to work on this family. So this guy finds me and thinking, I mean, I'm not going to fix this kid. I'm not going to fix the family. God who does it. But the fact that he, he goes out of his way to find, uh, even coming to me and say, can you, can you t tell this, my kids about? So here's a great opportunity for me while I'm doing my ministry in PNG with the, with the HIV community and, and the children, being able to disciple this kid and say, look, you don't have to follow your dad and try to marry all these wives. So that stops there. So how do we, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking, that's a divine, that's why I'm here. I'm just telling you why, I don't know what it has to do with the sermon, but why I'm here is that a man with 17 wives and one kid he told me to come bring him to Salem when I'm here. And when I brought him to the airport, nine of his mothers came to drop him off at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be it. That's it. The master needs it. I know you have planned. I know you set it aside for yourself to do this, to do that, but the master needs it. You did not choose me, I chose you. That means you are his responsibility. You're thinking, this is crazy, this doesn't make sense. I'm, what if this, what if that, what if... God's like... See, whenever God asks you a question, it's never for your benefit. I mean, for his benefit. It's for yours. What do you have in your hand? Exodus chapter 3. Moses, what do you have in your hand? You think God doesn't know what he has in his hand? He has a stupid stick. Mo Moses is like a stick. And a lot of the things that Moses did, the stick had a very... But it, 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 it has to do with God's given you something. What are you doing with what God has given you? The Bible is filled with stewardship and salvation, are the, probably the prevailing theme in the Bible. Okay, you have Jesus. How are you doing with Jesus that he gave you? See, Jesus will not only judge you for what you've done. He'll judge you for the things you, you could have done and you didn't do anything. That's scary. The things you could have done and you didn't do anything about it. There's three guys with talents. Ask one of the guy. He'll tell you. Why did you bury it? You should have at least done something with it. Why did you just bury it? You have something. God's given you something. Maybe God's want to stir your heart. There's stuff that's there that needs to be cultivated. You're responsible. You're, the soul of your heart, you're responsible for it. God is not. God is responsible. The seed, the Bible's very clear. The farmer throws seed. The farmer is God. He's faithful. He keeps throwing you the seed. That's his faithfulness. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. If you don't catch it, the other guy's going to catch it and run with it. So where is your heart? Because he's constantly, every day, throwing seed. 
Are you at a place where you're ready to receive? So it's a challenge for, I mean, it's a challenge for all of us. God's given us something. I'm in PNG doing this thing with HIV AIDS, and people, my own family members are looking at me. Why are you working with people with AIDS? Can you please pick something else, a different ministry? Why HIV AIDS? We don't. It's like the Bible. In the Bible days with the leprosy. You know, the guys that were in the lep, leper colony, it's like unclean, unclean. Exactly the same thing in PNG. You don't associate yourself with people with HIV. Jessica is only just turned 17. Oh man, this is, she was raped. And through that, she contracted HIV. And she has tuberculosis. Now, tuberculosis in Papua New Guinea has been declared the national emergency. One in every two people die from TB. America, have you heard of TB? Probably not, because it was eradicated long time ago. That's the reality that Papua New Guineans live in every day. One in every two people, this is from the National Department of Health. This is current statistic from the National, this is true. Everywhere you go in PNG, big billboards. How to fight TB and aid from all this country to fight TB. So this girl is a living, walking skeleton. Somebody said, this couple, George and Crystal, they work with HIV people. Contact them. So this, they contact us. And we went and saw this girl. Your heart would break. We're trying not to put anything on Facebook at the moment because we're trying to protect, um, protect her. Um, just protect her. But she, just looking at her is just heartbreaking because you see this little thing is just skeleton, nothing except a little bump indicating you know, there's something, there's a live thing in there. My wife is like a hawk over this girl. You are going to eat this, you're going to eat this. So we found her a place, I care for you, found her a place, we have some small money saved up. So we're renting her a house and have her there because her mom and dad want to kill her. You brought shame to us. So this girl is staying here, and now she's smiling. And Crystal went and bought her some second-hand clothing, and she wears it, you know. She's got, Crystal got her some skinny, some skinny jeans. But this girl is really sticked, so it's just like, <laughs> it's nothing. But we have this girl. And then we're finding out there's more. So this home that we're building, we're building in stages. One of the house will have at least four to six children. We're going to put at least three, three homes in there, four to six, four to six, four to six. And then we're building a respite care as well for people that are from HIV. You, um, the next stage is AIDS. Now, that's when you're very susceptible to anything. So we want to give them that, the care that they need and bringing them to the house or to the hospital back and forth. And we've already had this, we already have this girl, and there's, there's more knocking on the door. Six, teenage pregnancy is big in PNG. It's a very corrupt country. Everybody does anything to get money. So this girl's as young as 15, 14, 16. 
are going out and getting themselves into trouble. And so we have, um, there is no home, a legal home like what we are about to set up. So we're already getting all this recognition from our people um, interested in what we're doing. So just, you know, you guys have been really faithful in praying for us and, and even sending pictures of, you know, making small groups and like, hey, like, this is, we're praying for you guys. And so it's, just, it's almost like, you know, feel for us to keep, you know, keep going, keep going because we're not alone. You know, we got, we got a, you know, a center that really believes in what we're doing and um, prays for us and stand with us. But Jessica is one of many, I believe, stories. As soon as we open these homes, it's going to be all flood, you know, floodgates opening for these young girls and, and moms that are HIV and have nowhere to go. Now they have a place. So we will need people. So if you come, Papua New Guinea, hey, before you come to PNG, let me tell you this. Papua New Guinea is not the vacation capital of the world. You want to go, you want to have vacation in our neck of the hood, you go to Fiji. I met the guy that made the video, and he said, George, I have to be really honest with you. After PNG, he went to do another media or like video deal for uh, guys in Uganda, and he said, PNG is the worst. Uganda made PNG look, it really hurt me. Because, because that's the truth. It's dirty, it's filthy, it's just, it's just nasty. And then he went to Uganda, oh, it just, you know, it's dirty, but it's just like, it's nice dirty. Okay, whatever that means, nice dirty. <laughs> That's why I'm saying when God calls you to a place like this, it's not like, yeah. You know, I might take a picture of, you know, one cool spot of, you know, nice pristine beach. <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> the rest is. <laughs> when God calls you to go, when God gives you it and God calls you to go, you, you got two choices. You either go or you don't. Both have very significant consequences. I'd rather go and suffer and stay here and know that I've disobeyed God and, you know. So the master needs it. You have it. God's already given you. You have it. The master needs it. It's time to check. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I've been sitting on this for a long time. I'm like Peter. I'm stepping out. I have no business. I have no business stepping into this substance that's called water, but I'm stepping out. I know you're going to catch me because you make sense. You make sense. This doesn't make sense. You make sense. Because he called you, he takes full responsibility for you. That's not easy. It's easier said than done. That's painful. You just come up here and sing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to prayer. That's the line in that word. It's just, I just, oh. It says, uh, blessed be your name in the road marked with suffering. It's, it's, like a, it's like a road you walk that you walk alone. People come and they will say this and that, but you have to go through that alone. Every blessing you pour out on. In the road, blessed be your name in the road marked with suffering. Are you willing? Picking up your cross. It's one of the most easiest places to be Christians. Is here. 
Just know that. I go to PNG and I'm going, oh my gosh, there is no Wi-Fi. I hate this place. Oh, there is no this. There is no free refills. There is no, like all the stuff that I enjoyed in America. I don't have it in PNG. The things that you would call that first world problem. But sometimes, you know, God takes you away from America, just a little jump over here, just to give you that, you know, God paradigm on, wow, so this is what's up with the world. And you have a role in that. You don't have a lot of time. You think 80 years is long time. I'm sorry, it is not long. Compared to the time frame of eternity, 80 years is just a blink, it's just a drop. Whatever you do now, Like in that line of, uh, in that movie, whatever you do now echoes in eternity when, when um, in that movie, Lord Gladiator. So what you do now, I like that, echoes in eternity. You have something, you have it with you. The master needs it. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate just pastor giving me this chance to to even come and be part of the family and you know, just for you to see my face and for me to even see you. Please, when this is over, come and say hi. I want to, I want to meet you. George, that, that was a great word in season. And uh, I received that for myself. I was just telling him that was a good word in season. And I received that for myself. How many of you felt the Spirit of God zeroing in on your heart? The Master has need of it. What is in your hand? Sometimes that's money. Sometimes that's opportunity. Sometimes that's obedience. The truth is it's all those things. But that was a word in season, and I thank you for giving it. Thank you for being bold and, and loving us. Sometimes people bring those kinds of words and they're kind of mean, but that, that felt nice. That was like the father, that felt gentle. It was sharp and it got in my heart, but I felt like you loved me the whole time. Did you guys feel the same way? <laughs> well, we always like to make an opportunity to sow into our missionaries when they come and speak. And um, as, as, uh, as George was speaking, I, I won't apologize for it, but I just heard the Lord say, today we're gonna give George $5,000. And um, so we're going to take an offering. I've never in my 10 years ever started an offering by saying this is how much we're going to give. So we don't ever use guilt or anything like that. It says God loves a cheerful giver and decide in your own heart what you would want to give and don't give out of compulsion. So, man, scripture's good enough for me. But I want us to take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have need of today? And then just give that amount and give it unto the Lord. And whatever comes in, we're going to add up to that point so that it's $5,000. But that will come out of our general fund. But I just heard the Lord say he wants us to give $5,000 today. So I trust you as followers of God. So let's just take a moment and close our eyes. I'm going to pray for George. I'm going to pray for this ministry. And you guys are going to hear from the Lord, and we're all going to just act in obedience. Amen? Father, I thank you for George and Crystal. I thank you 
I'm, I know, Lord, that you see every need. And yet, you wait for us to go and help meet those needs. You don't just supernaturally do it. You wait for us to help you with it. You're always motivated by love, Lord. You're never motivated by guilt. And you've sent George and Crystal, and, and by extension, you've sent us into Papua New Guinea. And we see all of these sons and daughters, Lord, sitting on the beach, and they're dying. And you know everything about them. And we're stopping for the one, Lord. I'm asking that you would protect George and Crystal, that they would not grow weary in well-doing. I'm asking that you would fill them with your joy and your hope that in the midst of this place, that their light would so shine that they will be, they and everyone that you've called to Papua New Guinea, and by extension us and everyone that sends, we will be a part of seeing light come where Papua New Guinea will be known as a jewel of the nations. And we speak that out now in the face of knowing that right now it's very dark. Right now, the, the, there are some huge facts of tuberculosis and of HIV and of, and, of, and of the enemy being able to shape a culture with his agenda to eradicate a beautiful people. But we say, the Lord knows your name, <coughs> PNG. And he hears your call. And he hears your cry. And because of that, we answer as well. And we stand with George and Crystal. And we say to PNG, on behalf of the Lord and on behalf of our own hearts, I care for you. So Lord, bless them. And carry them as they continue this work. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen? All right, the prayer servant team is coming forward. If you need healing in your body, or if you need encouragement, or if you need a prophetic word, Please come and get prayer. We all need prayer. It says to pray, one, pray for one another always. And so we love to be able to get a chance to pray. We've seen many healings and encouragements and words and seasons. So please take advantage of, uh, of that having, that, uh, having that at your disposal at all times.